Support for Food Friday Leftovers comes from Berkshire Co-op Market, Great Barrington, Massachusetts, a community-owned natural grocery store dedicated to sustainable agriculture, the local economy, and the environment. Working within the community to better Berkshire County, one basket at a time. Berkshire.coop. Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers, a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. This week, we've got wine in the fridge. We are speaking with Bill Johnston. Hi. And we are also talking with Peter Blackman. Thanks for having me today. And they are going to talk to us about wine and food pairings. And we discussed some of those pairings in our Vox Pop episode. Feel free to check that out at WAMC.org. But we also wanted to kind of dig deep because this is some questions that I have anyway with regard to different foods that I like to eat on a regular basis. And I just drink whatever wine tastes good, whatever wine I'm in the mood for. Um, I have a couple different wine subscriptions, so I just try whatever they send me most of the time anyway. But um, I have three of my favorite foods, and I'd like wine and food pairings. So if this food that I tell you is the main dish, right, what would be an alternate side dish and a wine pairing? It's kind of like a little game. You're really making us think today, aren't you? I am. I'm making you think. We're going to make this fun. After the past past hour of drinking. (laughs) I also need this information. (laughs) That's when the answers get good. These are three of my favorite foods. Okay, so the first one is quiche. So for, do you want to do the side dish first, or do you want to do the wine? Uh, it doesn't matter, because I'm going to get both bits of info okay. anyway. <laughs> and what is it, What is in the quiche? Most of the time, I think I make it with goat cheese and like broccoli and veggies or whatever's left over, but most of the time it's veggies and cheese. I would go with either a crisp white, like a Sauvignon Blanc, or a Chardonnay. I support both of those. I, I... <laughs> I would go a little outside the box, and I would go more with a Vino Verde, uh, which was what we tasted earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that would go very nice with it. Um, I also think a nice either arugula or kale salad with a nice, uh, very light herb vinaigrette on it would go very well with it. You're speaking my language. Okay. All right. Next one is curry. Curry is obviously going to have some... If not heat, certainly a high level of spice and flavor. So you're going to want to go with a semi-dry, something a little bit off-dry. So I would go with a nice German Riesling that's going to be a little bit uh, higher residual sugar. May I have to support that 110%. (laughs) Uh, Kind of back to our last episode. Again, you know, rosé could probably go okay a little outside of the box on that. But definitely the sweet is going to be great with a curry. You know, and it depends what you're doing with it, whether you're doing a pasta or you're doing just, you know, like curry chicken or something. Your side dish. Can we actually uh, pass some of the rosé out that's here? I actually want to try that. I've been in a rosé mood lately because of the warm weather. This is from Rioja. This is from the north of Spain. Thank you. And uh, it's really the flagship region of Spain. And Hmm, it's nice. So it's going to have a little more flavor, a little more fruit, a little more complexity than some rosés. And we selected it because it's very different. Most people, when they think of Rioja, they do not think of rosé. I wish I was in the sun drinking this. (laughs) It's very fruity. Yeah, you can taste that intense fruit character that you're able to get from those folks that have been doing it for so long. Those 
There have been plantings in Rioja since the Roman days. Wow. But it's fruity, but not, not overly sweet. Right. And I think that's a challenge with rosés is a lot of time people say the word fruity and all of a sudden they assume that it's sweet. And if it's pink, too, right. if you see it, you just think it's going to be and that, outrageously and, 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 sweet. And that, that's totally yeah. out the window. Yeah. You know, Peter, you've brought up an unbelievably important and accurate point. Rosés are always dry. If you have an off-dry wine that's labeled as a rosé, that's a labeling problem. <laughs> rosés are dry. So that would be a this blush. This doesn't then, taste right? dry to me. Correct. Good job there. Yes, uh, an off-dry uh, blush is, you know. Would they mislabel something like that on purpose sometimes just to yes. fit into like a trend kind of thing? Yes, to promote hmm. that idea that it's going to be sweet and then you get attracted. to it. It's a commercial ploy, absolutely. Oh, those dollars always come into it somehow. <laughs> Ro- it rosé is not white Zinfandel. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I'm not really a white Zinfandel fan, although <sighs> very close friends and family of mine who are not wine drinkers all like Moscato, and I just like, oh, I can't. I can't do it. I'll bring my own wine. Well, hey, not, <laughs> not all Moscatos are created equally. Um, you know, the, the problem with Moscato, what, what the Moscato world is facing right now is there's so much demand and there are so few really high-quality grapes that to get a high-quality Muscat grape, in a Moscato at a reasonable price is quite a trick. But they're out there. So are the higher quality Moscatos not as sweet? Because I feel like they are just too sweet. That's correct. And the reason that they're less sweet is because they don't have any uh, sugar added. A lot of the commercial Moscatos will actually add flavoring and add sugar uh, essentially to cover flaws. So if my mom likes really sweet wines, um, what is like the lowest sweet I can get? that would most likely be palatable that I, I could actually drink to. That you could share a bottle with? Yeah. Them? Well, what you're going to want to do is find, a, you know, Moscato, you can get a really nice one, but you're going to want to get something from Italy. Okay. If it's an Italian, you know, Moscato is an Italian style of wine. If it's from Italy, more than likely, it's not going to have any sugar added, no flavorings added. It's still going to be sweet. And then, you know, if you want something that's just barely off dry, once again, I'd go back to the German Rieslings. Okay. I can do a Riesling. And there's the three levels of the Rieslings that, yeah. you, you know, that you can you can work with to, you know, maybe start her with, with a higher end of sugar content and then maybe try to work back. Again, kind of as we talked about earlier, you know, get in the game. Yeah. And you'd be amazed. You know, it's the same thing, you know. Maybe you didn't eat pickled pickled asparagus, you know, when you were twelve, but now That's it funny. tastes it I'd... tastes fantastic. You know, you yeah. evolve. For some reason, after my son was born, I thought this was supposed to happen to my wife, not me. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden, I just became a huge pickle fan. I throw them all over my hamburgers now. I love relish on my hot dogs, and this is just delicious. So it's when right you're at the right time for me, when you're headed out to shop for that Riesling, what you're going to look for is Cabernet, which is going to be just off dry, and you're going to look for a Qualitätswein, which is one step above, you know, the entry level. Well, good thing I have a recording of that, so I can remember. I was just about to say, take notes, everyone. We're getting a lot of knowledge, um, but I did have one more food to suggest. And oh this yeah, one's let's sweet. hear it. Now, I'm going to say ice cream because I am a weird person that doesn't like a lot of sweet things, right? So my okay. favorite is like vanilla ice cream or, you know, cookies and cream if I'm feeling a little crazy. But uh, ice cream, what would you pair with ice cream? Uh, please tell me it's going to be chocolate. She said, oh. she said, she said vanilla. Oh, boy. Oh, Here we go. Oh. Mint chocolate I chip all day. I don't like chocolate. 
Okay, so you can say one for chocolate. I'm sure there are most people who listen to this probably like chocolate. I'm probably the weird one that doesn't. Well, obviously, you're going to be able to go with a big red like we did with the flourless oat cake for Which is delicious. the Vox Pop I wish we had more of them. Great combination. <laughs> Um, when you talk about uh, a vanilla or you said mint chocolate, mint chip, chocolate chips, my favorite. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough pairing. Just your favorite, maybe <laughs> whatever you feel like drinking. Just drink whatever you have <laughs> in the house with your ice cream. Um, <laughs> I, I would say like brandy. All right, we can do that. I think uh, my wife's know. family puts amaretto over it. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. I mean, you can do Kahlua. I mean, you can do you can do all that kind of thing. I think. Uh, it, it, it's one of the few moments that I would say, put down the glass of wine, enjoy your ice cream, and then come <laughs> back to the glass of wine. Ice cream well needs said, nothing Peter. to go with it. <laughs> I don't often say, put the glass of wine down. <laughs> or just have, I don't know, just have the wine. Or, or I mean, I mean, I mean, if you really wanted wanted to kill two birds with one stone, uh, you know, you do have these these ice cream uh, creameries that are making Cabernet ice cream, and and they're they're starting to work the wine into it. Really? And there you go. You've got you've got the best of both worlds. Tomato ice cream. Yeah, I mean they're they're doing everything. These <laughs> they're days. not all successful. Yeah. No. Some are good. Some are bad. Just well, like I wine. I don't know. <laughs> Would you have pickle ice cream? Please I don't know no. if I'm going that far yet. <laughs> I'll stick with them on my burger and hot dogs. Well, you know, I would have been skeptical about that pickled asparagus, but that is delicious, Peter. Yeah. How does? Oh. Yeah. How do you make that? Uh, I mean, generally, what he does is he uh, he uses uh, some red wine vinegar, some pickling um, spices, and uh, a little coriander. Uh, he's got a couple other things he throws in there that he won't even tell me. Um, <laughs> you'll te- you know, there's a little bit of heat in there, uh, and he marinates it overnight. But he just he did it as a as a uh, you know kind of just playing around. And again, he had fun with it. And yeah. I think he did. I think he did it the first time. It was okay. And I said, "Yeah, it's it's just not quite there." And then uh, he tried it again, and it was spectacular. So that's going to make my asparagus off the grill feel not very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could you could, you could do that, and then you could grill that. True. You know. So uh, you know, I mean, mess around with that. Yeah. I mean, that's what food wine are for. You know. I mean, it's it's don't that's take it good. too seriously and enjoy yourself. I'm the only one in my home that likes asparagus. Oh, my wife and I both love it. Getting our son to like it in the future will be the next challenge. Well, <laughs> just give it to them when they're young, and then they'll end up liking it. So what is this wine we got here? This is Casal Garcia Vino Verde. Vino Verde is a region in Portugal in the northwest, and they have uh, popularized this extremely light, low-alcohol, slightly sparkling wine that's perfect for this time of year. You can have this on its own. You can put it over ice. You can mix it with things. It's it's really the definition of a fun wine. I like the labeling, too. I know it's not supposed to matter, but I really I dig the, the font and the design on there. Well, the interesting story with that label is that this became it was released in 1939. It became so popular in Japan that the Japanese government released a Kazal Garcia stamp, postage stamp. Really? Wow. <laughs> and that's the stamp. Ah, so they decided. Casal Garcia decided to pick up the artwork from. Hey, I have someone else do the work Japanese for you. Right? There you go. Well, it was such an honor, you know, to yeah. be uh, to have a government come up with a stamp for your winery, <laughs> and you know, it was uh, originally sort of discovered by a Frenchman who was traveling through the region subregion of Avaleda in Mijo, which is the province that's now known as Vino Verde, and he noticed this beautiful vineyard out the window of his train 
And he said, that looks exactly like France. And he detoured his trip and searched out the owner, uh, Roberto Guedes, um, and talked to him at length. And finally, they came to terms and decided to completely change how they were making wine back in 1939. And together, they came up with the now popular Vino Verde White that's so popular all over the world. I mean, this would be a this would be just a, an absolutely spectacular wine to do a, a sangria with, you know. This and some some beautiful farm fresh fruit. Um, you know, whether or not you want to add the extra liquor to it, as we discussed in the previous mm -hmm. show. Um, but you know, Vino Verde is just a wonderful summer wine, whether it's straight or whether you're you know you're making something spectacular with it. So I don't know if my taste buds are playing tricks on me or if there actually has there's some lime in there is it the bubbles that are making me taste lime or is there actually lime in this vino verde that's an excellent question <laughs> um that is actually a just sort of a magical thing that happens with well-crafted crisp dry whites is that the fruit section of the grape wine sort of becomes uh a, a citrus taste lemon lime so you have a very good palate there and no there's no there's no flavoring <laughs> added uh, it was confusing me because i got the bubbles and then i thought is this citrus or is it just maybe it's just the bubbles i don't know <laughs> uh, no it's your accurate palate good job oh, thanks <laughs> that's that's from all the years of experience eating different foods there you go <laughs> all right so what are these some of these reds we got here well this next one is the That's one uh, that we... quite the haircut there. <laughs> <laughs> that is the grandfather of the proprietor of the winery. The winery is Bodegas Ego in Jumilla in the south of Spain. Uh, they're about 50 miles inland from the Mediterranean Ocean and a climate and a soil micro area that is really suited to making this style of wine, which is almost like a New World wine. It tastes like it's from California. It's Monastrell based, which is the grape that they have embraced in Jumilla and have taken to a new level of quality. Um, and uh, it's, I'd say, about 50-50 between the people who love and hate that crazy hair label. <laughs> I love it. I think it's well, great. the crazy hair label reminds me of illustrations from a series of scary stories that we used to read um, I think they were called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, if I remember. Something like there that. There was a series of them, and the illustrations reminded me of that book instantly. So um, check out this wine, and you'll see what I mean. <laughs> and we paired this with a fantastic meat dish, and this was uh, Peter's uh, real, yeah, real flash of good. brilliance. Uh, just took me took me back. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Mio chips, Peter. Um, the Mio chips are something we came up with. It's a, uh, it's our house-made kettle chips with Alex's uh, homemade bolognese sauce. And uh, then we top it with a, a three-cheese blend, and we bake them in the wood-fired oven. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't bring the wood-fired oven with me today. I, I, I thought <laughs> oh, about shucks. it, but it just said, uh, maybe next year. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just a great share appetizer, and um, it's just fun. You know, I mean, that's what we want to... It kind of... It's it's almost as crazy as the label that's on this wine, so... <laughs> Um, I had one. I had one customer tell me that I should make every person that enters the restaurant make them have to order those before they start. So it's pretty <laughs> well, it's popular very good. dish. So, yeah, I, I, and, and this, this is the kind of red that I would drink at home. This wine is spectacular. When Bill tasted me on this first, I just absolutely. It does taste like uh, California wine, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. 
as I was saying before in the in the show, you know, the new world style wines from the old world, the ones that really make the grade are the ones where blindfold you're literally in California. Yeah. <laughs> I like to do that a lot when I'm upstairs at work. <laughs> Close my eyes and pretend I'm in California. Imagine that you're in California. Yeah, that's the only reason to get this wine. You yeah, there you go. Just stay here just in Albany a, and go know, to California. I'll just have a bottle in my desk. And uh, no. he is making that up. That's a, that's a whole different that's set of true. problems, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, honey, I'm walking home again today. No. <laughs> Come and get me. Yeah. So uh, this bread is delicious. What? goes into this both kinds of bread that we have here uh you've just got our crostini there uh which is brought with some garlic olive oil baked in the wood-fired oven and uh we've got a flatbread that we uh we roll out and that's actually brushed with our uh herb olive oil which alex infuses with uh farm fresh herbs so uh it's just a nice you know i mean sometimes you you like to take the prosciutto and roll it around yep. you know do you could take a, a piece of asparagus and take the bread and you know Smear a little little edamame hummus on there and really get crazy, but uh, yeah, it's what it's where it's a good. The antipasto is a great appetizer that you know, um, you know, your vegetarians and your carnivores alike. Yes, both can enjoy, and I think it's a nice way to start off the evening. And yeah, my wife is not a, a meat eater, and I am. Um, so yeah, we split on the cheese, and then I'll take the meat, and she'll take the. Uh, <laughs> olives and the, all the rest of it. Well, that's a perfect. That's a good team. Yeah, that's a perfectly timed comment because now we're moving on to our main course, which happens to be a vegetarian main course. <laughs> that's right. Yes, the uh, we've got our uh, our market pasta, which is uh, papa doll, which is a uh, it's a it's a wide flat noodle. Um, it's a fresh pasta product, and then uh, just basically whatever seasonal vegetables we have. Um, we deal with a lot of. Uh, local farmers whenever possible um we're, we're a little aloof on the menu as far as labeling we'll label a couple of you know the standards of spinach and whatnot um but you know we like to we like to try to use whatever's local and whatever whenever possible um you know farm fresh is a is a, is a big keyword these days yep. um i kind of wince once in a while when i hear it because i think <laughs> a lot of times it's a marketing ploy yeah um yeah. so i like to you know we use fa local farm products whenever we possibly can um and it's tough for them to keep up with their demand, you yeah. know, but, uh, you know, I think that's, it's a great dish that allows us to utilize some of the local stuff. We're blessed to have a whole bunch of farms within five or 10 miles of us. They win, we win, and ultimately the consumer is the, is, is the biggest winner on it, you know. We decided to pair this with two different wines, so you're starting out with an oaky Chardonnay, so this has been aged in actual... Uh, French oak hmm. barrels. It is so good. My it's mother would love this. I need to buy this. There's a transformation that occurs when wine enters an oak barrel called malolactic fermentation, and the lactobacillus uh, actually consumes the harsher and the more tart. You know that hmm. crispness that you tasted in the first wine? Uh, that's uh, perpetrated by the malic acid, malic acid that is natural in the grape. And that malic acid is consumed and then excreted as lactic acid, which we know from milk. So it gives you that buttery sort of a taste and mouthfeel that you're experiencing with this uh, Paris Valley Road Chardonnay. Hmm, that's interesting. I'm not sure if I like it or not. Oh, I think it's so good. But it tastes <laughs> different from other Chardonnays yeah, that that's I've for sure. had it's, before. It's, it's certainly got that nice, rich cream. And Bill will know from tasting with me over the years that I 
historically cannot stand Chardonnays. <laughs> and uh, but I think that this really represents very nicely a beautiful old school buttery oaky Chardonnay. Um, but it still has fruit. Well, and the exactly. reason for that is because they blend it with uh, Roan varietals that are unoaked. And so that's now at the at the finish you're getting uh, some of those fruit notes coming out. So there is some non-mallow wine in there hmm. as well. Yeah, that is pretty complex. But you're not alone in gentlemen who <laughs> don't care for oaky chardonnay. Yeah. And you're not alone in <laughs> ladies who love oaky chardonnay. But um, the most important thing is just to understand what it is. And mm -hmm. then you can you know play that card when you want to. Right. Yeah, so I need to buy this one. <laughs> I need one for me and one for my mom because I know she would love that. <laughs> and the, be the best part is, is the guys in the house won't drink it. It's just for the ladies. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, it, it's very rare that you'll pull a bottle of wine into the house that it's it's ladies' night only. So my guy uh, is more one extra beer drinker. There you go. And, so you're good. And I, I like wines that he doesn't like. He, if it's not beer, it has to be really sweet. And I don't like very sweet things in general. So, your own private stock. Perfect. Yep. There we go. <laughs> so, this is the second wine to pair with the Market Pasta. It's a lighter wine than our first one, uh, our first red. Um, it's from Lisboa, which is the growing region around the capital of Lisbon, Portugal. And um, it's really not all about the terroir of Lisboa. It's more about the people from Lisbon who are well-educated, well-traveled. They come back and they say, look at all the fun that people are having with those California-style wines. Mm -hmm. Why can't we do that? We're a, a nation that produces <laughs> a tremendous amount of wine. Why can't we do that? Well, the answer is, of course, that they can. Yeah. And this actually has become the best-selling Portuguese wine in America now. Does it have to do with the dog on the front? It does. <laughs> <laughs> and a baby on the back. Yeah. People are drawn to the packaging because of that cute little bulldog on the front of the bottle, but they keep coming back because they find the wine so uh, pleasant and such a, uh, an easy-to-enjoy type yeah. of a wine. And I would say they would just go looking for that big, bright X that's in the middle once you know... Oh, I like the one with the big X on it. There you go. The X and the bulldog. Mm -hmm. the bulldog. Yeah, I think more so the bulldog. <laughs> um, uh, I I have a friend who's uh, on the professional side, and uh, he calls this the sad dog wine. <laughs> and I, just I think it's more of a tired that. dog. Yeah, I just love that. Uh, well, sad or tired, moniker. it's quite good and very grapey. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a very straightforward fruit taste. You're absolutely right about that. Low uh, in acidity. To make it very easy to enjoy. It's kind of, you know, even someone who doesn't necessarily drink a lot of wine could enjoy this. Very, It's very user-friendly. Yeah. yeah, I'm a fan of red blends. I like those a lot. This They're would be a very good gateway red, right? Yeah. It really is. <laughs> be I like careful. You <laughs> <laughs> You'll end up where our next wine is, if I'm not mistaken. The, uh, the big red. Yes. So this is our big finish. The Infinito is a red blend, once again, from Jumilla, from the same winery, Bodegas Ego. And, you know, in terms of a red, this is pretty much a canon. <laughs> this would go very well with your chocolate ice cream. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready. What about those who don't like chocolate, okay? What can we have this wine with? 
Uh, well, are you a meat eater or a vegetarian? A nice, it's, we got the prosciutto right I'm a there. Meat eater. there yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I have an Italian grandmother. Well, I had before she passed away, but yeah. I grew up, yeah, eating any yeah. pasta for pasta like every weekend. <laughs> this is right up my alley. I mean, that, that, that in a bowl of bolognese in a nice fire on a snowy night, you couldn't be any happier. See that? Yeah. Whenever I hear the stuff like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that'd be great. And then we get to winter, and I'm just like, well, you need those moments to get you need you need those moments to get you through it. That's you know? true. That's true. Why is it that we prefer? Well, I can't say we. I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like warmer months I want rosé and white wines and those lighter ones. But then in the winter I want something with a little more body. And why is that? Well, most of uh, wine lovers uh, would 100% agree with you, because of course that light, refreshing wine just feels good on your palate. And it cools you off, uh, and the lower alcohol doesn't knock you in the head when you're already, you know, feeling the effects of the sun and and the heat. And of course, um, when you're cold and you have a nice big juicy steak that's just off the grill, and well, you have to figure out something where you don't grill it outside <laughs> if it's snowing, and then. You know, this big red, and you're just going to feel all warm from the inside out. Well, I have to say, my stepdad, when it snows, he will shovel a path from the back, well, from the side door to the grill, because that's the shortest distance, and he will grill in the middle of winter. Oh, good for him. <laughs> it's the best time to grill. Yeah. <laughs> Keep fantastic. warm by the grill. Yes. yes. We appreciate it so much more in the winter. Yes, it certainly does. A little taste of summer. Yeah. I have a question about um, culture. Yes. Since um, in the beer culture, I'm in a group of dads that are on the same street that I live on, and they're very into heavy beers like IPAs and whatever else, porters and all that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a heavy beer guy, but I quickly in wine went to heavier dry reds. And I'm wondering if there's like a wine thing with the same as beer where some people only like light and they get chomped on by the people who only like heavier wines like same in the beer world or is it sort of different i think it i think it i think it really depends um i mean i know that in for beer if i'm drinking beer i prefer a light crisp you know pilsner or mm -hmm. something of that nature i appreciate a porter or an ipa but it's one or two mm -hmm. um and with wine i've kind of gone over the gamut you know i used to be a big cabernet guy and uh you know, I'm I'm on Pinots right now, and oh, truly, you know, absolutely. And everybody says, "Oh my God, Pinot, you know, <laughs> Pinot Noir is just—it's too light." I said, "You don't know the right one," and that's what we talked about in the earlier segment with a Merlot. It's you know, you really can't per varietal say what the characteristics are. You can only generalize. Um, but I think with wine, I think you go through stages. Yeah. You know, and it's you, you like the big stuff for a while, and then all of a sudden. Hey, I'm into Zinfandel all of a sudden, you know, or whatever it may be. And, With and pineapple I think it's, juice or pineapple. Yeah, I don't, I don't, juice. I don't know where that went. That was, that was amazing. Um, but you, you uh, never know what you're you gonna know, get. Hey, but but again, there is no right or wrong answer. I think that's truly in whatever it is. You've got to realize that you know, follow what you like, and yeah. uh, and don't be afraid to experiment. You know, I think that's the other thing is say, you know, if somebody all of a sudden says, hey, would you like a rosé? Oh no, no. It's pink. No. Try it. You know, I mean, and, and you know what? Worst comes to worst, you have four ounces of something that you're not crazy about. It's not going to be terrible. No, yeah. Rosé's you, great. Everybody can get through that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you're singing my song. <laughs> I think Rosé is the perfect beach wine. Yeah. Rosés are great 
Because it floats. With, with <laughs> many different experiences. But, but wait, does every right. wine float? Nope. Only the pink ones. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we have time for the uh, fascinating story that we were promised. Oh, yeah, you wanted to hear my story about how I got introduced to the wine world? Yeah. I'm from Indiana. I was born and raised in a cornfield, literally. And so I knew nothing about wine and went off to school to Is that a big beer area, uh, I would imagine? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's a big pork and cheese area. <laughs> so um, I was um, at my first apartment. I was rented from a French family. And as a celebratory gesture, I bought a poor bottle of wine, ignorantly. So what bottle gift. was it? Do you remember? Yeah, I just, <laughs> he doesn't want to say. I'm so sure. This like the um, Bud Light of wines. <laughs> it was Andre Cold Duck. Oh, ouch! So, and uh, Jeanette Pellet, uh was very pleasant. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. And she waited about two, three weeks, and then she invited me to a local bistro. Going up the stairs, and the smells were amazing. This garlic and beautiful uh, aromas and I was already really hungry we sit down this little teeny tiny table in this little teeny tiny bistro and her friend the chef and proprietor Corky who's about 6'3 and he looks like a doughboy and he has this curly red hair (laughs) stuffed up underneath his traditional chef's hat (laughs) Jeanette oh so good to see you and she says uh, you know this is my friend Bill and I see on your card you have a Beaujolais. Wonderful. Let's have a split of the Beaujolais so he can try. And Corky comes out with this 375 ml of Beaujolais from Bouglia Vineyard. Bouglia Vineyard is in Napa, California. And so it was labeled incorrectly. To be labeled as a Beaujolais, it must be from Villefranche in the south Mm. of Burgundy in France and she literally lost it the veins started popping out of her neck and this little tiny woman starts screaming in the middle of this restaurant and you know she went political I hate America (laughs) oh man and then she started spitting on his shoes literally in the middle of this restaurant and then she kind of wakes up and every single patron of the restaurant is just staring at her with their forks down and she all of a sudden turned red and became embarrassed oh Corky I'm so sorry yes we'll take the wine and then this inspired me I'm like I don't understand how a beverage could incite this level of passion in someone and so that was the quest of my uh, meal time was to figure that out and then she offered to teach me um, you know, regions of France, right bank, left bank, Burgundy, Champagne, Bordeaux. And I took her up on it. And I, so I got started in the right direction at a young age. Never forget that moment, that's for sure. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeanette and I are still in close contact and, you know, her whole family there living in Torremolinos in the south of Spain. All right. Then. Well, thank you guys for being here. Well, thank you thank so much you. for having us. That was food aficionado Peter Blackman of Veronica's Tavern in Altamont, New York, and wine expert Bill Johnston. 
This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.